Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast contains material that may be disturbing for some listeners. We're looking at quite an amazing, very small object that has a lot of meaning. Senior curator Claire Reno is showing me a tiny object from 1914. Or, I suppose, the first reaction I feel when I see it. And that's Leah McFall, newspaper columnist and occasional demonstrator. It's a little suffragette medal and it was awarded to Frances Parker, who was a New Zealander living in London. And colloquially, it's known as a hunger strike medal. It's militaristic, really. It's an emblem of incredible courage and suffering and valour. Leah and Francis have something in common. Tell me about what the museum has belonging to you. Well, they have a piece of cardboard um, that I painted a slogan on. I took part very much at the last minute in the uh, international women's marches that took place the day after President Trump's inauguration. And there was a march here in Wellington that was part of that global movement. Basically, I painted uh, on a piece of cardboard, which I foraged from a skip, Kate Shepherd sent me. And I marched the next day with my friend Jane from the grounds of Parliament along Lambton Quay, down Willis Street and into Civic Square to express solidarity with um, the women around the world who were taking part in, in this march. Frances Parker was imprisoned several times between 1908 and 1914 in increasingly dire conditions for her protests. But originally, she was from a respectable family down south. She was born in New Zealand. Her parents were um, English, but they lived in Kurau in Otago. And when she was about 22, she was sent to the UK to go to university. So she went to one of the schools at Cambridge. And it was a school that was set up especially for women and was set out to empower women through education and with that idea that through education women would be able to compete more with men. Frances graduated from Cambridge in 1899. By the turn of the 20th century, New Zealand women had already had the vote for three electoral cycles. But they were still the only women in the world to have that right. In Britain, some of them were starting to take the lead. There's wonderful articles in the papers of when the New Zealand contingent would lead the marches to Hyde Park for these sort of big rallies as whole possessors of the vote. These peaceful demonstrations didn't move the British government. Eventually, there would be conflict with the authorities. It's such a small thing, such a delicate thing, but it represents the lengths that some women were willing to go to in very violent lengths to try and progress women's lives and for women's rights. And I think we're not often cornered but you know you often wondered when you were cornered or put in a certain situation how you would respond. If the moment presented itself if the context was different how far would you or I be willing to go 
Do you feel like it's an object that asks that question? Oh, it does. It really does. And it actually makes me feel quite uncomfortable. You could say I'd been guilty of of being fairly complacent about the rights of women. But in terms of, you know, my day-to-day life, I was confident that things were just going to naturally progress and get better. But, of course, the history of the women's movement and, and other civil rights movements shows that there's always a backlash after gains have made. And this was an undeniable, inescapable, big deal backlash. So I felt... I couldn't live with myself if I didn't step out. A woman called um, Emmeline Pankhurst got to the stage where she felt words were not enough. And in 1903, she formed the Women's Political and Social Union, and her motto was deeds, not words. And by around about 1908, they actually started sort of act quite violently. The second time that Frances was arrested, she was involved in a campaign in London, which was um, a window-smashing campaign. And I think it was coordinated for a Friday, and at 5.45 exactly, all these women who seemed to be peacefully going around town shopping, suddenly, and the newspaper descriptions are wonderful, suddenly from their handbags and their muffs came, you know, stones and batons and sticks, and they began violently smashing windows. So they were sort of these violent acts designed to create a lot of publicity. She was a political prisoner. There's absolutely no doubt about it. I mean, reading her account of what she went through in Holloway and, and other prisons, there was a sadistic quality to the way she was treated. She asked for her rights previously, and I read that she was denied those things, for example, visits and letters. With the force feeding through, first of all, from the cup and then through a nose tube and then rectally, I had no idea that happened. I actually found that quite difficult to read in her account of it that was printed afterwards, I think, under a pseudonym. And then, of course, she talks about being violated vaginally as well. It's very hard not to see this as a a political act. She wrote about her experience in the suffrage magazine and it does make for harrowing reading and I think that article that she published you know I think it got um, smuggled out of the prison and was published really raised a lot of questions in parliament and also began to turn public opinion against this process of imprisoning these women and treating them the way that they were treated. Treated as criminally insane or a hysteric which is something that's really emblematic of women who fought for their rights throughout history. They're always kind of diminished or demeaned and it's implied that they're mad or insane or criminals. This has a beautiful ribbon that's in the green, white and purple and they are the suffrage colours and they are wonderfully symbolic. Purple was about the valour and the nobility that ran through every suffragette's blood. White was for that purity and public and private life and then green was this colour of symbolising hope and spring. There's nothing like actually stepping out with strangers who are all united and all agree and have the same values and care as much as you do. And that's the relief, probably, is the thing I'll remember when I arrived on the Parliament grounds and saw these hundreds of people streaming in. I just felt, there you all are. You know, we all agree on this. We're stopping our lives to do this, symbolically, which is, of course, exactly what Frances Parker did. She understood the power of the symbolic gesture better than anybody. 
Hours was produced by me, Noel McCarthy and John Daniel for Bird of Paradise Productions. For Te Papa in association with Radio New Zealand. Our EP was Tim Watkin, engineered by Andre Upston. Thanks to Victoria Kelly for our theme. You can listen to every episode on iTunes and Spotify or head to RNZ's podcast page to subscribe. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.